This episode is brought to you by AWOM Lab. AWOM Lab is a creative space that offers membership for women entrepreneurs. The membership includes access to a cafe, high-speed Wi-Fi, a small retail store, and a full-service photography and podcast studio. The Lab fosters women's empowerment and is designed to inspire, motivate, and connect women in South Florida. AWOM Lab also has an in-house creative agency that develops content for female-owned brands. Most importantly, the vibe and energy is that of collaboration and hustle. So if you're an entrepreneur looking to kickstart your business, and need a place to work from or event space, make sure to follow AWOM Lab on Instagram. That's A-W-O-M-L-A-B. GGB is a proud member and we can't wait to see you at the lab. See you there. Girls Gone Boss is a driven women's guide to love, life, and business. Hosted by the boss ladies, Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Girls Gone Boss. Hey. Hey, Gabby. Hey, Alex. How are you? I'm I'm fabulous. Are you tired? Super tired. Have you seen me going hard? I have seen you going hard, actually, on stories and stuff like that. It never. And stopped. you've been all over the place. All over the place. How many flights did you get on this week? Um, just one. One day in and out of Colombia. One Medellin. day. Yeah. Oh my god. I really wanted rough. to stay longer because I've been hearing so many good things about Medellin, and I love paisas. I love their accent. It's so cute. Shout out to Colombians out there. I haven't been to Medellin. I've only been to Bogota. Me too. I was. I think oh. I went with MTV to Bogota. Oh really? Yeah. But were, it was like raining. In? I mean, that's kind of like the. It's like oh, London. No, I thought you meant that we were there at the same time. No, no, no. no. I was doing catfish. So oh. yeah, no, this was okay. like my my days, heydays. Oh, okay. So, but no, yeah, heyday. Medellin was like super quick. I went to go record a music video, came back, and um, we're grinding and we're excited. And how how was that event? The women, the female for profit event was fantastic. It was I loved so it. good. We met so many amazing women. So many boss girls, yeah, and shout you, out Bethany. to Bethany for inviting us and um, whoever we met. It was amazing. Yeah. Make sure to stay in touch with us. Yeah. And we'll be reaching out to you soon too. Yes. And today is such a special um, episode because it's really about fashion and design. And every single woman out there listening to this has one of these in her closet. Of course. I have like a trillion. So Angie Garcia is a Miami native with an exceptional eye for fashion and design. In high school, she interned for her neighbor who was a local manufacturer and took her under her wing. His mentorship and guidance became key in Angie's career path. In her 20s, before the social media boom, she started her own clothing line and sold at a small boutique and barbershops. She later worked her way to becoming a stylist working on music videos and films. Today, she is the private label head designer at Nia Shoes and travels four to five times a year to China to oversee designs and production. Welcome, Angie. Hey, what's up, ladies? I'm so happy to be here with you guys. We're so excited to have you four to five times a year to China. China? Oh yeah. That's crazy. I have so many questions. I know. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of travel, but you know, it's an awesome thing to do and I I love working with fashion and shoes, so it's it's a bit of, it's a bit of a of a journey to get there, but once I'm there, I'm good. I love it. Well, just tell us about this very important relationship with your neighbor. And it kind of like kickstarted you your interest in manufacturing at a very young age. So if you want to elaborate how that just kind of catapulted you into where you are. I was really fortunate. Growing up, I had a neighbor, neighbor Rodrigo, and um, he was one of the local manufacturers in Miami. And it opened my eyes to another side of fashion that I obviously had no idea of. Um, when I was a kid, I used to like make 
make outfits for me and my friends and we'd do these little dances and my grandmother taught me how to sew but I had no idea the entire business side of it and after high school he kind of let me come over every day and intern and teach me a little bit about how the entire manufacturing process works. And he'd always push me. He'd always say, you know, Angie, you can do whatever you want to do. He's like, if you want to, whether it's T-shirts, whether it's dresses, whether it's bathing suits, he's like, he's like, put your, put your mind to it. And he's like, you know, draw, draw out a plan. He's like, let's figure it out. So he was a huge, huge mentor for me. And he taught me a lot. And one of the most important things he taught me is, you know, to pursue your dreams and to at least attempt something that you really want to do. And manufacturer, you mean like, just for our listeners and just for me too and Alex, I just, manufacturer meaning like he was like a tailor or what? He had a small factory where he would cut pieces of fabric um, by the dozens and he would have them sewn and put together. He sold to people like Kmart and Sears and he made uniforms and just um, a small factory in La Mente. Got it. La Mente, La Mente. A small factory for a big big companies basically yeah so it was in la 20 la 20 la 20 which is like in miami it's basically like the fashion district kind Mm -hmm. of right Right. so like any fashion brands or any like designers if they want to go and create something they would go to these factories and Mm -hmm. do you sit down with the manufacturer and kind of like who would do the sketching or the design there's a there's a role for everyone. There's a pattern maker. There's a seamstress. There's you know there's cutters that cut the fabric. There's so many different aspects of it, but um, for for the manufacturing aspect of it now that's really not around anymore because a lot of these local manufacturers that manufactured domestically in the United States they weren't really able to compete with China and the wages and everything that's gone on, um, so. Um, a lot of them just kind of outsource now. Well, they, well, they'll have everything cut in one area, and then they they take it over to a lady that maybe has ten seamstresses, and they they put it together there, and then they take it to the next place. It's like every single step is now divided, where maybe at one point it was all in in house. Got it. Because now companies are outsourcing mm-hmm. to cut costs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So. Now you learned all this information start in high school, right? You were interning for him. So you got into, you know, the business with a lot of knowledge. I mean, you're super young and then you decided you wanted to start your own clothing mm-hmm. line. Does that mean that you like already bought it made, ready to wear or? No, we, um, I, I basically would make the design myself and it was called City Life back, back oh. then. Yeah, it was really, really fun. And we, it was just t-shirts, very Miami based things, you know, it was like, for, for T-shirts, it was like Miami 305 and everything was very like Dade County, you know. Of course. Um, and then I had, you know, the, the cut and sew pieces were dresses and we'd have fashion shows and then just sell to little boutiques. And it was very small scale. Right. And this was like pre like Instagram and yeah, yeah. pre like no everyone online. has a fashion store online now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so how was it? Like, how did you market yourself? Like just word of mouth? I, I word of mouth. And I used to also do a lot of styling for music videos and I would use my my designs and my, you know, make make unique things for whatever video the concept was. And and then kind of just get word of mouth out there about me. So the, you just you started styling because of word of mouth. So that's basically how you fell into that? The styling was more um, when I was in Miami-Dade. We used to, I was in the film 
and photography program. And uh, a lot of friends that I worked with, they were, you know, studying film and they'd kind of, I, w- I used to paint and they'd be like, oh, you know, can you put makeup on, you know, I, I, this project, this film that I'm working on for school and I need somebody to help me with the clothing. And, and it kind of started that way, like very organically. And then afterwards, after a couple of years, my friends that, you know, were kind of in school became actual directors and, you know, they came back. They never forgot about me and gave me a job and I just kept working and working for, it was like a 10 year span. Wow. So, and so basically you didn't have any formal, formal training because I I just want to let everyone know that you, you made this happen off of passion, off of grit, off of like hustle I mean, you did do two years in Miami-Dade, right? I did a year and a half. Okay, (laughs) almost. And it it wasn't really fashion-related. It was, you know, photography and, you know, sketching and stuff like that. And I I never finished school because I just started working and got into it. And and in a way, you know, I don't know if I would have been able to find a degree for what I wanted to do anyway. So I'm the type of person that if if I want to try something, I'm... I'll just dive right into it, you know. And for me, the the entire industry was entertainment-wise because of where I was and my friends were all kind of in the in that world. And it was just kind of easy for me to just right. talk to people. So important the importance of connections and who you know like led you to yeah, where you are or definitely. where you were kind of going. Because at the same time, you were probably trying to figure out what yeah. your niche was, right, yeah. at the same time. And like all of us, we're trying to go through things. Yeah, but, but it's then funny we... how you fall into it. Mm-hmm. Of course. It just it's something calls you and then you just fall right into that. And your network. And you also were like in a relationship with someone that was in entertainment. So that also like, it, it's who you are around, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And my, my family and my friends at the time, like they were all very ambitious and all kind of going after their dreams. And it inspired me to pursue I didn't know what I was pursuing but it was you know doing something for myself and creating stuff and just kind of moving forward and and evolving with whatever was happening in my life you know and at that time you were okay so you were more into the fashion you had a store did you have Mm -hmm. like an actual like brick and mortar we did we did it was there was a store across the street from Miami High and um it was good it was a great store it was uh, independent designers from Miami that I worked with when I was doing music videos when I was a stylist I kind of gathered everybody and sold just the independent designers out of my store and it was a great concept um unfortunately it didn't last very long I think it was maybe under three years but that's still a long time. I had a fashion store online and it's not easy. I mean, I could just imagine a brick and mortar because it has a lot more like overhead costs. And yeah. And there was a lot of pieces to the puzzle that I, I, I personally don't think that I was ready for all of that. You know, I, it was just it was so exciting and so much was going on. And I had a partner and my partners and I, you know, we just sometimes we didn't see eye to eye. But, you know, I think for all of us, it was a great, you know, a great moment and, a, and it was a great experience. But at you know, it wasn't going to go where we where we both wanted it to go. So was that in your like mid 20s or early 30s or that was in my late 20s? OK, yeah, my late 20s. So then you began your shoe career pretty in yeah. your 30s. Like, pretty, yeah. OK. Yeah. So. I, I tried. I, I after the after just a bunch of things went in my I had a divorce. I I had my failed business. You know, I, I just kind of was looking around at like, what do, what do I want to do now? I, I just want to do something completely different. And um, one of my family friends, he was a design, a shoe designer at this company in Miami. And he knew I knew how to sketch. 
but I really didn't know much about shoes. I'm a sneakerhead, like I about women's shoes. I I, I collect sneakers and and I'm more of on that tip. But he's like, you know, you're a girl, you, you you can sketch. He's like, just he's like, I'll teach you how to do it. And he's like, they're they're hiring um a sketcher. And I'm like, what do I have to do? And he's like, all day, they're gonna throw like 50 shoes on your desk, and you just you you just sketch them. But then the job was more like I was sketching. I was you know, receiving the shipments, opening up boxes and when the warehouse, like it was like really, really, I had to start from the bottom, you know, and what I do is I'd listen to them with the lingo and, and everything, the terminology that they'd use for shoes and whatever I didn't understand something, I'd write it down. And then at the end of the day, I'd go over to Hector, which was my family friend, and I'd be like, what does this mean? I don't, I don't understand. And, and he explained everything to me every day. He was so patient with me and he really mentored me a lot. You know, he, he wanted me to succeed and he wanted me to do good. And he's like, you can do it. You can, you can just put your ideas together and present it to the owner. And so eventually I did, and they loved some of my ideas and I grew to be a junior designer there. And then after that, they moved out, they, they shut down the company and they moved to California and they moved Hector and I over to California. And then that really changed everything for me because I was in a different pay scale, pay rate, and and just in a different world over there. California is so different. What than part Miami. of California? Um, Manhattan Beach. Oh, that's a beautiful part. It's gorgeous. And you actually lived. In I Manhattan lived in Beach? Belmont Shore. Oh wow! Yeah, it was really cool. But at that time, that company that I was working with, we went to China almost nine times a year. Oh girl! Oh my God! I would have a heart wow. attack. Yes, girl. So it was, I was never home, you know, and then it, it was, I was always traveling. It was either Europe or China or, or traveling to New York or just different client meetings and stuff. And I lived in California, but I really couldn't really like invest. In, yeah. And, and put any roots in there. But, um, and then my sister, she got pregnant and you know, her and her husband were going to have their first child. And, and I was the godmother and I was so far, I felt so far in California and I'm, my family means everything to me. So once that started happening, I'm like, I can't miss this. You know, I'm never around as it is with my travel schedule. So I'll never get to be involved. So I quit my job. I mean, I gave them notice and, and, and I worked from here from Miami for a while till they found somebody else. And but I think it was the best thing that I ever did. You know, I was really scared to leave Miami in the first place because I'm very, very, very attached to my family. So it was it was a hard decision, but I knew that it was something that I had to do for my career because I wasn't ever going to, I didn't have a, a degree. I didn't have, you know, I was scratching my way to the top as it was. And this was going to actually propel me to a different level. level. The next level. But then you decided like, I miss family. After how many years? Were you there a while? Um, or? Not even. I was there maybe a year and a half. Okay. And then when she got pregnant, I, I, it really hit me. I'm like, wow. And, you know, life's gone by so fast. And, and yeah, having a career is great and, and following your dreams is great. But at the end of the day, like when you don't have anyone and you, you, you have, your family's away from you, for me, it was a game changer. That was your priority at that stage in your life. So you came and then you came home. I came home and I started working for a company uh, here that um, was also doing the Fergie line, the Fergie from I remember, Black Eyed Peas. I remember those shoes, yeah. So it was, she had Fergie and Fergalicious. So I worked on that brand for a while. 
And so you designed for a Fergie's line? Yeah. She, That's great. The company that makes her line is called Brown Shoe Company. And we used to work with them in the, that company. So it was really cool. It was a really cool experience. Did and you get to work one-on-one with her or just with oh, her team? I only... I only saw her at the shows, you know, and and it was very brief, you know. It was she had an entire team of people, you know, that was really she had input because at the end they would take the finished product to her and she'd be like, oh, I don't like this or I don't like that, but you know she was really busy at the time and touring and you know living her best life. <laughs> and so you worked with them um, not project based or was it, it was, like full time? Yeah, we we were vendors for the brand and the, the the company here in Miami was actually a small factory and they actually make they they don't they're not around anymore but they were making shoes so in the morning I'd hand over a sketch and. By the end of the day, it was a sample that was made, you know, and I'd go over to all the stations and just kind of That's see very it. fast. Yeah. It's fast yeah. paced. Yeah. And then wh- where did you go after that? After that, I went to Mia, Mia Shoes. And I've been there for a while and um, it's been a, an amazing experience. Everyone I know, I mean, every single woman out there has to have a pair of Mia Shoes in their closet. I know I do. They've been around for 42 years. Wow. Yeah. They've been around for a long time and, you know, they, they have a great reputation and, you know, I've, I've learned a lot working for them. So what's a typical day for you at the office? Like you, you get in and you look at sketches and take, take us through that. Um, there's different times of the year we're preparing for a show or we're preparing to go to China. So, you know, it's never really the same thing every week in and out. It's always, you know, what, project are we working towards or what season are we working towards so let's say on a typical day where we're doing development for our our next line we come in and we um start sketching ideas based on we talk about um this shoe did well last year we need to update the shoe it 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 sold x amount of pairs and if we don't do something with the shoe we're going to lose this business so we have come up with ideas for what the best pattern or the best the best update to that would be. So we do a lot of sketching. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of, you know, looking at, you know, inspiration, whether it's fashion shows in Europe. And a lot of a lot of the ideas that we do get do come from Europe. Um, because a lot of the trends kind of trickle They're down. They're a little bit ahead of the time, right? Yeah. Do you do you still sketch though? Yeah, I sketch every day. I was going to say you must miss it if you don't sketch anymore. I, I sketch every day. I would like to know the process of like a shoe. Okay, from start, you were talking to us about the mold. It starts with the mold. Would you call it something in particular? What oh, is the it? last? The last. Okay, let's start there. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm taking notes. The the foundation for a shoe is called the last, and basically, the last is a a shape of a foot. And um, you'll see a lot of like high end designers. They they kind of you see them tracing on something that looks like a shape of a foot. And basically, what what that is is that's like the mold that's going to be used for any pattern. So it's like a base, and that base can have fifty different uppers or a hundred different type of uppers. So it's basically like the sole of the shoe. No, no, the sole can change also because it's the it's the center. Wherever your foot would be in the foot, that's called the last. Got it. So, but sometimes it's not always shaped like a human foot because they it you want to have an almond toe or a pointy toe or a square toe or so the last is the shape that your f- actual foot sits in. So the shape that your feet will take when it is worn. Exactly. So, so whether a flat a flat yeah. shoe or it a could heel. have a higher pitch, you know, so it could be a four inch heel. So the shape is different. Right. Got it. Okay. okay. 
So, I mean, it's pretty interesting the way that, that it works is it starts with the last and then you um, you make a pattern. And the way that some people make a pattern is they put masking tape all over the last and they draw on it and you can kind of see it very well. And then you take the tape off, lay the tape flat and cut the pattern out and that becomes your pattern. Um, other ways of doing it is just, you know, some people are really great with patterns as it is and they kind of just create the patterns. The way that I, I do things, I don't do the patterns. I mean, I that that would just be another entire level of you know work. But I just come up with the ideas, and and if there's a pattern that I've used before that's great, I'll just rework the pattern and and maybe just add some stuff to it or ornaments or you know laces or it, just whatever the trend might be. Got it. And do you go to a lot of fashion weeks? Like I, I try to, yeah. And a lot of the things we try to do is go to Europe too for for pre-fashion yeah. and. Because a lot of the things that the girls are wearing, not and it, the fashion shows, yes, it's great. You see all the upcoming big trends from all the big fashion houses, and that's all great information. But you, if you look around at what the people are wearing there, that's what's going to come down, and people are going to wear a year from now here in the U.S. You know, like the white sneaker trend was really huge in Europe two years ago, and maybe last year you saw a lot of girls wearing, you know, just Stan Smiths or you know, basic vans or adidas but that's something that's been going on there already for a while you know why do we get it so late um i i want to say that um in europe people are more they don't like to follow the trends they like to kind of just be fashionable and and they're very you know I'm not saying that people in the united states are not but it's just a different type of lifestyle over there I think here we kind of fall into, you know, work mode and nine to five and, 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 and it's kind of like robotic and there's people that are very expressive and the, those are the people that you see in the street and you're like, wow, look at that person. I, I could never pull that off. But in Europe, it's like, everyone's like that. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel like everyone's kind of like that. There's, there's maybe just, it's so that it's cultural. It's cultural. I think it's cultural. So right now we have that white, the white booty trend going on. So when did that, I'm sure you saw that way ahead of its time because it's super trendy right now. How do you feel about that? The white, the white boots been, Mia had um, their white boot two seasons ago. And, and, and like, I, I, a lot of people didn't understand it because they're like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand a white boot. And then the more, the more exposure that that trend got, whether it's in a magazine or whether it's in a commercial or, you know, different brands using that. that and all the bloggers, thing. influencers also take part in all that yeah and I know our our white boots you know they they kind of were like we we understood the trend but a lot of people kind of and especially being here in Miami you know boots aren't really something that you wear all the time it's something more that you wear two or three months out of the year I mean it depends Not even just like two weeks in December exactly. when it's like 40 40 outside we're like oh you're my god it's right now you're wearing booties right now i know because it's like either you wear booties like whenever I, or you never yeah, wear them i wear them all year round I'm and like, it's mm, technically okay. fall so. and and also <laughs> when you when you travel a lot and you're not just based in miami you, you tend to wear different types yeah. of clothes you know like i know when i when i'm I just now, I'm like, oh, it's already fall. You know, it's October, but it's like <laughs> but we're it's heading like to the beach. Degrees in Miami. <laughs> yeah, we're going to the beach in two hours. You know, it's it's just you know you have that mentality of different cultures and different you know people. Right, and it was interesting that you were telling us too how all of that, the climate and and all the changes that are happening, like with the weather, affects the factories, affects like the the you know manufacturing of things. Definitely. I mean, we've been seeing such a 
such a different type of environment in, in you know, retail, it's, the, it's hotter now, longer. And a lot of people, they plan their businesses from the year before where they'll, where they'll buy boots that need to land, you know, in October, November. But, you know, if you check the weather all around, it's, it's kind of warm still everywhere. So a lot of these, um, a lot of these boots and things that, that are coming in that no one's buying because there, there really is no need for them, what happens is that then the factory... The, the brand or whoever made the shoe has to offer markdown money. And then eventually that's going to affect the Chinese factory or whoever, whatever Brazilian factory, whomever made it, because they have to kind of give uh, markdown money or, you know, some kind of... Like a credit? Some kind of um, incentive for, you know, to continue doing business because it's right. like these shoes, these shoes are bad. Because it's not like a loss. Yeah, it's a loss. Right. Got it. And sometimes they'll partner and share the loss, um, but it's definitely affecting manufacturing worldwide because it's the climate's changing so so aggressively that it's kind of hard to to predict when is it going to be cold next year. You know, if it's been warm till November, how do you know what? When do you place your boots? When do you place your your coats and your jackets? You know. Wow. Must be really difficult for Miami. How, yeah. how do they do it? It's just summer all year round here. <laughs> but the cool thing is that you not only work with Mia, right? But you also work for their private labels. I, so you make design shoes for Macy's, Nordstrom. Target. Um, we, we work with a lot of different um, companies that we use. Uh, Mia will use their factory base and make shoes for them and then use their label in it rather than Mia. And it's just, you know, a, it's called private label business. Um, it's it's beneficial for, for Mia because it, you're bringing more business to the factories and you're also collaborating with more people and getting more insight into what everyone else in the market is doing as well. Right. And it also, I feel it would be smarter for businesses that, you know, need a manufacturer or a factory to make, I think it'll make more sense monetary-wise for them, Yeah, right? it's definitely more advantageous because you can share material costs and things that kind of have a lot of MOQ or minimum issues, you can kind of put it all together. Right. And you being the only woman designer in MIA for now, mm-hmm. yeah. have you seen any obstacles? Well, there's a, there's a kid's women's designer right, right. now. Um, she's based out of New York. So there's two of you. There's a kid's designer, and then I do the women's design. And then the brand has a designer, um, Michael, and he does just solely the brand. I do all the design for our private label customers. So we all depend on you. You're the only woman in there that can be really making these (laughs) (laughs) choices for us. Yeah, because I'm thinking like there's a, a bunch of men making decisions on women's shoe. And then, you know, right. like they have no idea what no. it is for us to walk in these damn shoes. Is that, is that why it hurts? You'd be, maybe. <laughs> you, you'd, you'd be surprised. That the, the shoe industry is very male dominated. I mean, like I, I was kind of talking about earlier, the, the last couple of maybe the last five years to 10 years, there's been more women in, in the industry. But for a long time, it was their shoe dogs. They call them shoe dogs. You know, it's they they just are people that have been in retail for a long time that have strong retail backgrounds that can kind of predict like what what product needs to be out there. And I think now with a lot of women coming in, you're seeing more 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 comfort, more more style, more not style but more um variety. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's just kind of a little bit a little bit more in tune with who and what women are now. So what is it that we are looking for in a shoe that you I mean, I'm sure you do focus groups and see what's out there, talk to women. I mean, one of the one of the main things that we get feedback on is comfort. I mean, she she wants to be fashionable, but she wants to be able to wear those shoes from, you know, seven o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night when she's getting home or, or whenever. My life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're you're jumping on a plane. You're 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 going to meetings. You're going, you know, you're picking up your kids. You're doing all these things and, and you need to you want to look good and you want to look cute. But you also can't wear, you know, five inch heels all day long with no absolutely no padding, no comfort, no anything, you know. Right. And then also affordability. So, I mean, I think the the miss or the bad thing before was that if you wanted like nice shoes, you have to pay extra money. Now I feel like it doesn't have to break your bank, but you still get good, comfortable shoes. So I think also from a manufacturing perspective, you also have to like manage those costs in order to make that an affordable shoe, but still comfortable and still right. use some quality products. No? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I always tell my friends and people that ask me, how, how do you how do you pick a good shoe? I think a good shoe is a shoe that's going to last for a, a, a long time, unless it's like a something trendy that you wanted to buy, like something with a huge bow on it, you know, that you're going to wear to dinner or, or brunch or something. But you, you want to look for something that's made of leather, um, unless it you're vegan, then you look for quality vegan, you know, materials. But the, the way that the shoe is made where on the bottom and the glue and everything that they use, you'll, you'll see the difference where you'll see a shoe and you pick up a shoe, like let's say somewhere like Kmart, not to put anybody down, shout out to Kmart. But, you know, the, just the way that it's made, it's made in a different, there's so many steps that go into making a shoe. And a lot of those steps are skipped, oh. you know, to, to get down and cut costs, yeah. Got it. But even I think like Payless stepped up their shoe game. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. before when I was growing up, my mom only would buy Payless. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my mom. But <laughs> it was like a really bad shoes. Like they would break easily. They would hurt. Now I think they are a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think overall the entire shoe industry had to kind of come to a, an even plane because a lot of a lot of the higher end shoes, you're either very high end or you're, you know, mid-level and when you're talking about the way that the world is changing and and the way that people's um values and 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 the way they shop changes everyone now is more technology based you would rather spend a thousand dollars on an iphone rather than a thousand dollars on a pair of shoes you know but there's people that are out there buying seventeen hundred dollar balenciaga like sneakers yeah and they're down. Yeah. And I don't like those Balenciaga shoes. What do you think about those Balenciaga sneakers? The ones sneakers? that look like socks? Well, the ones that look like <laughs> socks, I, I dig. Yeah, and those are cute. Shout out to Cardi. You know, she's talking about like the big, the like, big clunky, the clunky abuelo-looking ones. ones. Yeah. I mean, I'm not feeling those. No. I, I think that that's a trend that came down. Every every year, there's the, the Doc Martin type trend, which is like the big, you know, clunky. heavy heavy bottom, black black on black boot. And a lot of a lot of people just in my this is just my perspective of it. It's like the bulkier, the 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 stranger it looked, the cooler it, it was. So I think that kind of went into um, yeah, because all the designers have a clunky big as a shoe mm-hmm. like Gucci is now like a Valentino. Like everyone is half flared out. So definitely, yeah, exactly. Um, Gucci has like this one that looks like a spaceship. I'm like. 
Yeah. What are people wearing? But I think it's just, you know, slap on a Gucci brand, I mean, ticket or whatever label and everybody's like, ah, I love it. Yeah. It's like the croc thing. I don't understand the crocs. Okay. I'm like, what anyone, crack anyone, anyone, talking about shoes? <laughs> anyone that wears crocs, it's cool. Wait, you know? what's crocs? Crocs? The, oh, I crocs. Heard, oh, I heard crocs. The rubber. Like, it's like it's rubber. Of course, crocs. I would never They're the gardening shoe. That. You know, you wear that in your garden. You know, it's it's a gardening kids shoe. Kids wear that a lot too. Guys, a lot I of kids wear that. I'm not going to lie. But it's, no, but wait, wait. But like when you're outside, like doing like yard work and stuff like that, they're good to like go outside. They're comfortable. That's, they're comfortable. That's what they're. Let me not catch her. Not crocs, wear that Alex. shit outside. Okay, <laughs> good. Sorry, crap. <laughs> but it's it's just like uh, there's kids wear them. They're they're very fashionable now, and and they be they went from being something that you wore in your garden to now people wear them fashion wise. And you see big fashion houses that are selling the same croc style, but like on a platform. Right. For thousands of dollars. and it's- Yeah, and it's ridiculous. I'm like, some of them are like so not cute. I have a question. Are my Jeffrey Campbell Litas ever coming back in style? Because they take up a lot of room in my closet. Really? Um, yes. Oh my God, remember, remember Jeffrey those? Campbell? I still have mine. Man. I don't want to throw them away. They're, those are the boots, right? They're, no, they're the like, the, yes, they're like boots, but they have yeah, the Yeah, they have huge, the extra. Yeah. Yeah. I think that comes that comes around every, It'll every come so back, often. Right? Yeah, maybe you might make sure bring it back. Everything <laughs> like it comes back, girl. Right. And you start Everything your own does. trend. But that man, that box is so big. <laughs> what's your shoe closet like? It's ridiculous. You gotta invite us over then. <laughs> Do you I get a lot of free shoes. Wait, what size are you? I'm a seven and a half. <laughs> oh yes, I'm a seven and a half. <laughs> I mean, Damn, I have I, I have a it. I have a sickness with sneakers, and Me it's too. just really bad. And so I have like my little sneaker room, and then I have you know I have so you many have a sneaker room. Damn. So how many pairs is that? Like average or if you can just kind of uh, I give away a top. lot of shoes because I, okay, I well, don't have the room. I'm a seven and a half. Okay, okay. listen, I, got, I, have, <laughs> I actually have a bag in my trunk right I now. I will take it. Girl, Girl, let's check it out. Yes. Sometimes seven and a half fits me, okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make that shit fit. <laughs> Trust me, I know. And and like for me, for shows, I have to wear like our, our for Mia or I, I, I like to wear things that, you know, we're using in the line. So every every couple of months I have brand new shoes that I'm like sporting and wearing. And plus, because you have to know the product, right? Like, oh, okay, nah, this is not working too well. And then do you go back and redo it or? Yeah. And then we, a, a lot of stuff that like, this is my story and I'm sticking to it is that, oh, I need to wear these shoes because I need to see if they're, if they're manufactured correctly. You know, yeah. I, I got to check. Are the ones you're wearing research. now, Mia? Or? Yeah, these are Mia. She's testing out the product. Those for are sure. so cute. We're going to take a picture for they're Instagram really so you guys can see it. <laughs> yes, really um, yeah, they're so super cute. What, what trend is that though? This is raffia. So basically, um, this was from our spring summer line, and it's just something that me has always done well with. It's kind of like that espadrille feel, but up on a high heel. Mm, I'm obsessed espadrilles. with espadrilles. I I, espadrilles uh-huh. were huge this last spring, so you'll probably we'll see them in the stores. Yeah, because I can't find them year. anymore. The, I've been, I've been looking. Oh, thank God! I have so many too, and I always like put holes in them because I wear them so much. I love they're espadrilles. so comfortable. Mm-hmm. They're cute. You can dress them up. Yeah, so, I love I've never been into espadrilles, but I think like, you know, when you were traveling and you have a cute outfit, like you went to Greece. Oh my God. Yes. It looked amazing. I think some espadrilles could go with Greece. Yeah, for sure. Totes. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Greece was amazing, you guys. You don't even know. Like, so I, you do get to do leisure travel outside of just going to China all the time, right? I, I try to fit it in there. It was my friend's 40th birthday. So I went directly from China. So I was gone for a month from home. I went to the New York show, which is where we show our line. And then I went straight to China from there for two weeks and then went to Greece for eight wow. days. Wow. 
that's crazy. It's hard, you but know. But you made it happen, like a boss. Yeah, I had to, you know, it was her birthday and, and I didn't celebrate my 40th birthday, so. You know, so wait, how old are you? Because she looks amazing. Yeah, I'm 40. Oh, you're 40. Mm-hmm. So we're on the oh, same. We're all around the same. Yeah. Hey. But look at you. 40 and fabulous. What's like? What's the next fabulous. like trend that we should be looking out for right now? Like if we want to get like, yeah, we want to get ahead of the game and like. Well, other than the trend you were talking about with the the chunky sneakers, yeah. you know, I I think like the next thing that's I, we saw all over Europe is like actual type penny loafers, like I flat love shoes. The Gucci penny loafers are yeah. so cute. I'm those 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 shoes were all over everybody's foot. It's like a classic just working loafer. All right, ladies, you hear that? You need to get yourself some penny loafers. I'm definitely not into penny loafers, but I'll so definitely enjoy them. watching everybody. And, and don't them. take it literal like penny loafers. Just think, you know, a closed toe, like office type of look. It's I'm I, feeling it was it. all over. Got it. I like so, that. Get on it, Alex. Yeah. I'm, I'm on it. Right. <laughs> I want those Gucci ones. So but being in the industry, like we said, we, I want to come back to, you, you know, there's not a lot of women in it. No. Have there been any obstacles? I'm sure there have. For me personally. The, yeah. I in mean, that industry. It's, 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 very, it's for me in my career, it's every company that I've worked on, it's been very male dominated. And, and it's been a struggle for me because... Um, a, I don't have a degree. B, I've had no matter how many. It's been 14 years for me already in the shoe industry, but it's almost like because of my maybe my the way that I look, maybe I I, I look younger or or and the fact that I'm a woman, it's always I'm constantly having to prove myself, constantly having to, you know, be kind of more assertive or 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 put myself into situations more than. It's like a like a boys club, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like you have to work harder to kind of get the same respect. Got it. It's so crazy to me that 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 it's still happening. Like we're still living in an age where like there's male dominated like company like mm-hmm. um, industries. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. Why are more women getting into the business? Is it because it's so hard to get into, or what do you see? I think that. Over the last 10 years, it's changed a lot, you know. And when I first started, I, I just remember feeling like, my, my God, I felt that same way. I'm like, where are all the women, you know? But I, I think over time, it's gotten a lot better. There's been a lot of doors that have opened for women because of other women that have kind of, like, pushed their way through. And I think, in essence, like, what the what ruled, the, at least the shoe industry, in my eyes, was there was a lot of retail experience that had to be involved in making shoes because, again, it, it all comes down to numbers and math and, and money. It's, it's a product. And I think that, you know, and maybe in those generations, women were maybe viewed upon more as a secretary rather than a designer or something like that. And, and I think that maybe there was women working under these men that were carrying the books and doing everything, but the men were the ones definitely out there in the in the forefront. But with all your experience, you, you already have 14 years in, in it. You still feel like a degree would have changed that much more of your career? You don't feel like that your experience has trumped the your degree already? I do. But, I mean, it's kind of hard when when you're kind of being held to that all the time, you know? it's it, So you feel like they have thrown it in your face or like you feel like people kind of hang it over your head like oh my god you don't have a degree all the time well I think about I know what the men in not not where I'm at right now but different companies that I've worked in that that the men that do the same exact thing that I do I know that they are paid sometimes two and three times more than I am 
because of the degree or just because they're male? I, I would say that it's probably a, a combination of both. So you've seen that most men ha- do have the degree? Um, yeah, yeah. Got it. That's still unfair I, because it's it just, you're doing the job and it's still being executed. And you have the same amount of experience at the end of the day, so it, or probably even more, mm-hmm. and you're still not being taken as serious as you should be because of that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of strides being made now towards you know the women's workforce, and I think it's going to get better. But I think for a long time, um, there was nothing that anybody could do about it. You know, and I think that now things are starting to finally change. And I think that that's why it's kind of important for everyone to kind of speak up and kind of talk about things that have happened to them. I mean, I know personally for me, it's been a struggle. There's been men that have been, you know, very inappropriate with me that have been in higher positions. There's been, you know, different instances where I felt that because I am a woman, I was either excluded or, you know, just not not even like considered or considered anything. or and and again like uh, the way that the way that it, i i've always worked is you know i'm not going to let anything get to me i'm just going to keep going i'm going to make sure that i do whatever i have to do to get my point across or do my job that well that's why you've got come along so far too because you keep pushing through and you're breaking all these barriers and doing all these things that I think that's what makes women so resilient. It's women like you that even though, you know, you're facing a lot of uncomfortable situations at work, you still show up, you still do what you got to do. And, you know, and sometimes the sad part is that we we stay quiet, right? Because we're scared Mm -hmm. and because it's our livelihood. So I commend you because I know it's not easy, but you're doing what you're passionate about. And I know that one day we're going to live in a world that we're going to be women and we're going to be treated equally. And we're not going to have to worry about going to work and being judged by because we're young looking or because we're pretty or because we wear makeup or because we posted this and did that. Because now with social media, too, like everyone's like looking at you they can like google you find you and we live very open lives and we shouldn't be judged for it yeah I mean like I said I've I've had so many situations and one of the situations was I you know I I'm pretty modest and you know I have you know just like everybody else I have pictures on my social media from my personal life and I went on a vacation and and I had pictures on a, on a beach where I'm in a bathing suit. To me, it was no big deal because, I mean, I look at what other people post and I'm like, this is nothing, you know, compared. And, and anyways, I'm from Miami. I live in my bathing suit. I, I There's nothing wrong with the woman's body. I don't see anything that, that should be, you know, taken in any kind of way when you're like hanging out with your friends on the beach and there's a picture. And a lot of the, some of the men that were in my company were screenshotting my pictures and passing them around no. in a text oh. message. And then I started noticing a little bit of the disrespect. And um, one of them kind of I let me know what was going on before I had the chance to confront the person that started everything. He uh, in, came over to my, my new boss and said, hey, um, can this person go on the next work trip? Because I want her to get up on the table and dance for me. And I'm like where is this coming from? You know, like at work, I have to be so hard and so not, not sweet, not, not the regular me, because sometimes people take your kindness for weakness or that they can kind of step over to the, another line, especially when you work with men. But it's like, how how does my picture in a bikini in, in, on a, on a family vacation have anything to do with the way you can talk to me in, in the workplace, you know? So, it's like, then I've, I've 
told this story to some friends, and it's like, well, what did you do? And I'm like, well, you know, I, I, com- I, first of all, I went off on him, and it was then I'm the one that's crazy, you know? They're telling me to calm down. And I'm like, you know, the level of disrespect is just too much. If I, if, if I was a man, this wouldn't be going on. At all. So, I mean, when I went to people of, and ta- that were higher up in the company and talked to them about it, you know, they Which said were that, men as well? Mm-hmm, that I, I provoked the situation by posting my pictures on in my bikini. private social media account. That's terrible. So I mean, it is what it is, and and like I said, like I I I I don't I don't condone like violence or anything like that. But I was gonna go ham on everybody there, and and then the reason that I couldn't is because I support my family. You know, I have a mortgage, I have bills, and I thought I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna quit my job. But then who who actually wins in that situation? You know, I'm the one that's gonna wind up losing. So ultimately, you know. But you didn't feel protected. No, not at all. I'm just surprised that they didn't do anything about it. That they actually just said you There's provoked. There's so many stories like yeah. yours. They're like, you shouldn't put yourself in that situation. And I'm like, well, I'm an employee here, just like everybody else. I deserve respect. So the well, we can ask them to apologize. And I'm like, no, the one that needs to give me an apology is you, because you're you're allowing this to to go on. You know, this is this isn't anything that I've done. I'm I have, at work. I'm I'm a certain way. I'm very professional. I I I cater to like making people feel comfortable. But I'm not the type of person that's gonna be you know all party time at work. Like I'm very serious because I have to be working with all men. You know, but I I just kind of felt like I didn't know what where to go or what to do or how to handle the situation because there was no one's turn to. So you felt alone. No, I mean, I think that's so many women go through that. Um, And there wasn't like a human resources department you can go to. Not really. I mean, I did receive an apology, but it was kind of one of those like, you know, sorry. But it's kind of like, I don't, I I don't, what do I want from this? What, What I want from this is for the behavior to stop. I don't want an apology. I don't need an apology. I need for it to be, um, a normal work environment where I don't have to worry about what you're looking at, you know, or how you're judging me in any way. Yes. Yeah. You want to feel safe. We talked about this. We talked about also like, I think it changes when men that are taking part in this behavior start checking each other. Like, dude, that's not correct. You shouldn't be sending around these pictures and let's stop. Like she's just as hard worker as we are. Like somebody has to stop the behavior because it's like, it just kind of spirals out of control when it's like accepted or felt like it's normal. And, and it's like a guy's club, like you said. But, but one of the, the, the person that brought this to your attention was a male coworker of yours, correct? A male coworker. Well, okay. So There's still at least some we know, good guys yeah, out there. Course. But he's still not telling them to stop. Right. He's just like, hey, by the way, this is happening. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he's still not being an advocate of like, let's stop this behavior and let's be human beings and, and stop disrespecting a woman. Because it's, it's about time we stop that behavior. It's like we're over-sexualized, everything about us. And it's not about that. And for, for a moment, I, I regretted posting that picture, you know, and then I thought about it and I'm like, wait a minute, what the hell does it have to do with how, how I act at work or, or what, what my position is in this company? You know, it has nothing to do with it. At all. Even right. if I was, and then one of the things I said to them is that even if I was naked, even if I was doing the worst thing that you consider to be the worst thing ever that a woman could do on social media, how, 
you still have to respect me. And you, you of all people, have to make it an environment where everyone respects me. Yeah. Well, I'm very sorry that you didn't feel protected and that you had to go through that. It's, I think it's terrible. And a lot of women, I mean, I think every single one of us knows somebody that's been through something very similar to that. Yeah. It's so common now and it's so sad and it really needs to change. But definitely speaking up and talking about it is what's going to make a difference and have these guys stop doing this. Yeah. And I mean, just along the way, aside from this situation, like what have you learned? Was Angie taken from all of this? Like, I mean, it has to have made you a stronger, more badass person? I mean, it's been hard, you know, but it, one of the things that I've, I've kind of learned in life is you have to evolve, you know? You have to kind of, life isn't always going to go as planned. Life isn't always going to turn out the way you want it. And there's a lot of hard things that, that happen and you kind of have to evolve into every situation and and do what's best for you. And if you don't evolve, if you just stay stuck, you're you're never gonna grow past anything. You're never gonna learn anything. So you kind of I'm I'm thankful for all the things that have happened to me because it has made me who I am and, and it has made me wanna do better and help people and talk about talk about things. I mean it's kind of embarrassing for me to sit here and say after fifteen years, I'm disrespected and I'm and I'm treated the way that I'm treated by people that I thought were my friends or coworkers, you know? And it's so sad that to think about like someone like my goddaughter, my little goddaughter, how's it going to be like for her if I just don't say anything and it just gets sw- swept under the rug, you know? So it's Well, like- don't feel embarrassed. I think the guilt trip is, is what keeps us quiet, what makes us think like it's our fault. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault. Don't be embarrassed. It's, if anything, our listeners probably, half of them probably have a story to tell as well. Which I mean, is we so all, sad. Yeah, we do. I, so if anything, just feel courageous and feel like sure that, man, I stood up for myself and at least feel proud of that. And, and know that is no way your fault. It, you shouldn't feel guilty at all. Post whatever you want. We all do. Um, it's a behavior that has kind of like um, brainwashed us to think it's That we're it's doing something wrong. And, yeah, and we're I'm not. embarrassed. Like what you said, I'm embarrassed. But no, they should feel embarrassed. Yeah. So new page, new motives. What's next for you? <sighs> What's next? Um, let's see. I mean, I, I love what I do, you know, and, and I've always loved working in fashion. So I see myself continuing down this path. And one of my dreams is to actually manufacture here in the U.S. You know, I know that it's really difficult, but I think that there's a lot of people that do um, care about that, where their products are being made and, and everything that goes on. And I believe in, you know, making jobs for people and, and doing things like that and bringing bringing things to the community that that aren't there anymore you know like I think that there's there was so much richness and in, in when we had everything here and when we manufactured here and and it, it just it's kind of all gone now and I, I would love to see the United States and in Miami specifically kind of get more diverse and having different different ways of making their products whether it be in fashion or whether it's you know, furniture or whatever it may be and more people supporting each other locally and kind of growing from within you know got it so that's like in your future you want to get more involved in manufacturing and awesome and what would you advise you would you give someone that wants to be in the fashion business and is listening right now and it's like man where do I start I if you're just starting off in the fashion business I would try to just intern in as many places as you can because you that's where you really learn you know you're going to start from the bottom up and that's that's the right way to do it and I think that 
you just got to intern and, and whenever there's a door that's closed in, on you, you just got to go open the, open the door forcefully or go to the next door and see what's behind that door and just keep going because it's not easy. You know, there's a lot of people that want to be in the fashion industry and there's, there's not that many jobs, especially in Miami. I mean, manufacturing wise, there's not a lot of places to, to work at. There's a lot of different different things that people can do for themselves also and just kind of start their own path and and, and more of an entrepreneurial projects yeah I mean because there's different sides of fashion you were telling us I mean you're you're a designer a shoe designer but there's there's a buyer that the more the business there's side. Planners. yeah there's the business side of things there's you know the the social media side of things there's you know there's so much more now that you can you can kind of dive into and be part of the fashion industry, but not an actual person that's actually cutting the pattern or designing the pattern, you know. But um, definitely for for anyone that wants to be in the fashion industry, I would start interning and kind of picking everybody's brain and asking a lot of questions and humbling yourself and kind of getting yourself out there. Love it. I love your story. I, I really I really relate to the whole part of like not going to school, not finishing school and still doing what you love to do and having this great career. I have a very similar path that you did. I dropped out of school after like a year and a half as well. I didn't get my degree and I've been in the business for 18 years, guys. Wow. Yeah, so congratulations. You can still do it. So don't think that just because you didn't go to school, you didn't get your master's, you didn't get your bachelor's degree, that you can't do it. Like Angie said, knock on doors, intern, work for free. It doesn't matter, but you just need to learn. Learn, 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 learn. And then you'll get to where yeah, you want to be. It's about your hustle. It's about your work ethic. I think people, um, you know, some people have a million degrees and there's no way you're going to employ them because they just have, they just don't have it, what it takes. And sometimes when you're not privileged or you don't feel like you, you feel like you have to get through things, like even like through mad doors because nobody's opening them. Like you just have a certain drive that is just different from someone that is just kind of handed things. Yeah. So yeah, it's true. we commend you. We look Thank up you. to you. And <laughs> I wanted to talk to you from the moment that I sat next to you at dinner. And I was like, I told Alex, I was like, I met Angie and she's so amazing. I mean, I knew you for a while, but I don't think we ever had like a conversation. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't know how exciting your career was. And I mean, I never met a shoe designer. It's been an Not adventure. <laughs> and a shoe designer here in Miami who who's absolutely a sweetheart. And um, we just thank you for having a conversation with us and being so candid about your journey. I know it hasn't been easy. It probably wasn't easy to talk about the difficult parts, but just know that, you know, you can get through anything. Thank you. And I, I appreciate you guys so much for having me. And, you know, I just love everything that you're doing. I think it's just the other Sunday, I was like feeling down and I'm like, let me listen to this podcast. And it, it really uh -huh. does lift you up to hear stories of people that are kind of going through similar things and, and it kind of empowers you. And I really commend you guys for doing this. Oh, thank thank you. you. Well, you're about to empower so many girls. They're going to love your story. Let them know where they can kind of just hit you up. Maybe they have some questions. Um, I mean, I have an Instagram. It's um, underscore Angie underscore, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, that one. Yeah. Anyone can just send me, you know, any questions or any any advice you might need. Um, I'm here. So just reach out to me. Perfect. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. So you guys can follow us at Girls Gone Boss on all social media platforms. Be sure to rate us five stars, leave a review, comments, hit us up on DM. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Casket. Everywhere, guys. Yeah, everywhere. Thank you for your support. Thank we love you. you. Bye. Bye.
You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.